0: Hi, welcome to Reverse Sequels. This is Patrick, and with me, as always, is... Ellie! And today's podcast is Smokey and the Bandit 2, Part 2, where we are talking about the original Smokey and the Bandit. won't sir. server. sir. won't be server.
1: reverse sequel. And that's right. Smokey and the Bandit deals with the story of the Bandit and Snowman making their way across state lines with a truck full of Coors beer. They are in hot pursuit by Smokey Buford T. Justice and will they make it? You just gotta watch and see.
0: <laughs> or if you saw the sequel first like we did you'll know they, they did it. it.
1: I have a lot to say about this movie.
0: Oh good. I didn't have much to say. It's about... Two guys that drive a lot, they (laughs) almost never get out of the car.
1: No, there is a lot of driving, but I was fascinated by this movie as a cultural phenomenon. So I looked up some information about it. And I have some questions to ask you just as we go forward.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested too because it seems like, was this a thing in the 70s? I feel like I know less about this time period than anything else because there's kind of a phenomenon in history. It's called down the memory hole where if history's too recent, you don't know it. So, like, I was born in 1982, so 1977 feels so foreign to me. Why was everybody into CB radios? Like, why was The Convoy a big hit song? Why was this a hit movie? Why did people watch Dukes of Hazard? Like, you know what I mean? It seemed, Those seem all related to me in my mind.
1: All right, well, my first question for you is, is Down the Memory Hole a real thing or something, <laughs> something you've just invented right now?
0: No, it's a real historical thing, at least by one history scholar that i know that the recent past is never taught in school so you know you people ju- tend hard to, to get
1: a grasp on yeah
0: people tend to know less about the recent past than they do about the distant past
1: well i had some of those exact same questions because oh, for the life of me i didn't understand the appeal of this movie and <laughs> i needed to know what was the popular appeal so i gotta say i did a little research i found out that this movie was a sleeper hit it was not
0: successful when it first came out oh interesting
1: and it didn't do very well at the box office it was made for 5.3 million dollars i was gonna
0: say it seemed like a real low budget but then
1: ended up raking in 126 million dollars nationwide and 300 million worldwide
0: oh wow i saw on uh like i read the first paragraph of wikipedia after we watched it and it said it was like the second highest grossing movie of the year
1: Which is just incredible, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, it's the year where Star Wars came out.
1: And this movie is so far away in that world again. (laughs) It's in another time. And I wonder if that has something to do with it being set in the South.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is this interesting little part where Burt Reynolds and Sally Field are not really arguing, but she kind of says something like, have you ever seen Chorus Line? And he says no, and she's kind of like... I think she kind of thinks like, oh, he's like a hick. And he was like, oh, you ever heard of Waylon Jennings? And she says no. And he's like, well, intelligence is relative based on what part of the country you're in. Something like that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is a movie that was like a phenomenon because people were like, oh, is this what life is like in the South? There's not a lot of movies depicting that lifestyle you know
1: and i think that speaks to your question about why were people obsessed with dukes of hazard i think it's this popularization of southern culture like the south was coming into its own burt reynolds in this movie his trans am has a confederate flag on the license plate
0: yeah not as crazy as the iron cross that jackie gleason <laughs> wore in the second one which by the way i could find nothing about on the internet nobody is talking about smoky and the bandit 2 and it's Nazi memorabilia.
1: I think you could have just ended that sentence with nobody's talking about <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit
0: too. Well, that's true. Also. Um, we are. I No, but I see what you're saying, and I can see the appeal of, of the movie in the sense that I love a movie that drops you into a world, and you don't know anything about it, and you're immersed in it. Right. So I could see the appeal of people watching this and being like, what is all this CB radio talk? What's all this slang? They're, they're like, that's a big Ten four breaker, breaker. Right,
1: and it's popularizing this whole subculture, and actually... Just so much of this movie is so deeply intertwined. So the actor that plays Snowman.
0: Yes, Jerry Reed.
1: He sings the song that's played maybe four or five times throughout this movie, Eastbound and Down.
0: Yeah, so he wrote the theme song. I remember in the last one I was like, and I don't know who Snowman is, but I probably would if I knew if I grew up in the 70s. And yeah, he was this huge country star and he wrote the theme song, which I liked. I thought the theme song was good.
1: I actually liked it, too. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that they- Played
0: it so many times. Played it
1: so many times. But it is a really <laughs> likable song. Yeah, it was catchy. The crazy thing about that is, well, two things I found. Okay. When I looked up uh, some information about this movie when we were done, that's part of a style of country music specifically called truck driving country.
0: No. You're kidding. There me.
1: is a whole genre. So, speaking of subcultures and niches, called truck driving country.
0: That's super niche.
1: So, it's not just country music. So, I guess the CB radio, this style of music, you know, banjo while there's a car chase, <laughs> they're building this kind of world that people want to know about
0: yeah so uh, i see the appeal from that sense i don't want to know about it so i didn't care but i could definitely see so like one of the things that i read which i think you did too that blew my mind is that alfred hitchcock loved this movie so this was like towards the end of his life and i guess this is one of the last movies that he saw and he loved And I just, the whole time, was like, what? What was the appeal? Why would Alfred Hitchcock like this movie? But for, you know, a British kind of sophisticated, brilliant filmmaker, maybe this was so foreign that it was fascinating. Like, look at these Americans and their fast cars and crazy ways of talking and country music. I I, could see it.
1: I actually had one moment where I'm like, this is Hitchcock's favorite scene
0: (laughs) in my mind. (laughs)
1: <laughs> because I really, the whole time I watched the movie, it racked my head, like, why was he into this movie? But I think, yeah, maybe it's the world that they built. But there's a scene where Burt Rettles and Sally Field are standing in, like, of the forest off the shoulder of the road. Yeah. I don't even know what you would call that. And they're perfectly framed in the shot with, like, these green leaves. It almost looks like a Christmas (laughs) card. It was a tableau.
0: Oh. I I wrote down this was the
1: leaf tableau.
0: Okay. And
1: this kind of shot would be something that Hitchcock, Hitchcock
0: would appreciate. I really think so. What's oh, so interesting. The director, this guy Hal Needham, was a stunt man and this was his first movie that he got to direct. And then I was kinda looking up like what else has he done? He also did Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run two. Which, Which we have not seen. It's on our short list, on our list of movies to do. I don't know if I want to after this, but... I
1: mean, he does a lot of runs. Well, the other thing coming back to Snowman that I was going to talk about, aside from the niche genre, is did you catch the name of the character?
0: Yeah, Cletus Snow.
1: Okay. Say that just one more time.
0: Cletus Snow.
1: Okay. I heard that too. Okay. Cletus Snow. Yeah. It's Cletus
0: What with a d oh cletus
1: cletus not cletus oh okay what (laughs) is that what is that detail
0: i don't
1: know i thought for sure it was cletus snow cletus that blew my mind i got i didn't know there was such a name of cletus who,
0: who knew i got a lot to say about cletus this is one of my biggest questions i don't know if we want to say it now yeah why is cletus not the one who's famous He's the one that actually drives the truck. Yeah. Why does the bandit get all the credit? People, like, Bandit becomes a big hero. People are holding up signs, being like, go, Bandit, go. What Cletus is getting no recognition. He's doing the hardest part. He's the one that, if they get caught, is, like, going to do the hard time. He's driving the truck. He gets beat up at one point by some weird biker gang.
1: What I got to say, I think it has to do with the size of the car. I <laughs> I think it's because Bandit's in the Trans Am, and he's the one outrunning the cops, running interference on the big truck.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess I see what you're saying. Like, he's he's the flashier one, but I think Cletus is being slept on. I think he's the real hero.
1: I love Cletus Snow. He's a much better character than the Bandit. I don't think the Bandit has any redeeming qualities. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. But another thing that happened as a result of this movie is this is what popularized the Trans Am.
0: Oh, I believe that. I want one after seeing this.
1: It also popularized something that I don't think you'd ever guess.
0: Mustaches. No. Ten-gallon hats. Hot pants.
1: The Diablo sandwich.
0: What the fuck is that?
1: If you remember the scene where the sheriff runs into the... What is it called? Chokin' Barf?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, the Chokin' Puke.
1: The Chokin' Puke, the roadside eatery. And um, he runs in and he orders a Diablo sandwich.
0: I did not remember that detail. No. What is it?
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you because there's some hot debate as to what is in the original Diablo sandwich. Oh. And I have two things that I found online oh my that people claim is in a Diablo sandwich. So if you're in the South and you're running a roadside choke and puke
0: <laughs> why what? do they call it the choke and puke it's disgusting i
1: know i think just because you're not getting quality food if you're driving long haul trucking <laughs> all right what do you think is in a diablo sandwich and we'll see how okay. close you get i'm gonna to say these guesses.
0: a deviled ham is that a thing is that a real food deviled ham or did i just make that up
1: i know a deviled egg is a thing <laughs> Well, i was
0: gonna say it's a deviled ham with a deviled egg on top
1: That's but did i just said. make up
0: deviled ham <laughs>
1: <laughs> what well how about explain out what you think deviled ham is
0: <laughs> i i don't know good question i'm not sure what it is a ham i ham boiled in hot sauce cayenne pepper maybe i'm not sure that's All my right. guess
1: do you have any other guesses because i think it's gonna be something two theories
0: okay just something really spicy i would imagine maybe it's just like a like a very basic sandwich like an egg salad sandwich but it's just full of like spicy peppers and it's like, ooh, this is hotter than Diablo.
1: Okay, I like think your sandwich choices are so interesting. <laughs> deviled ham with deviled eggs and
0: egg salad? <laughs> with hot peppers. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds gross to me. I don't know. It seems like the kind of thing that they would be eating in this movie.
1: All right, well, there's two running claims as to what the Diablo sandwich is. Okay. The first one is a Sloppy Joe.
0: Oh, I love Sloppy Joe's. Seasoned.
1: With spices, sour cream, and corn.
0: Gross. Okay, never mind. And the I'm second
1: out. one is pulled pork and hot sauce on a hamburger bun.
0: Oh, well, that second one sounds great. So, why are those the two sandwiches? Those are two completely different things. I
1: think because when you watch that scene, the sandwich is falling apart in Jackie Gleason's hand. So it's kind of hard to tell what exactly is on it.
0: But is there such a thing as a Diablo sandwich?
1: I don't know. I didn't get that far. I got the... <laughs> You're
0: doing all the research here. I
1: found out that it's popularized, the Diablo sandwich. So a lot of places, I guess, claim that they're the home of the Diablo sandwich. Oh.
0: All right. Well, you know what? We're going to have to go on a road trip to the south and get a Diablo sandwich.
1: Well, funny you mentioned it. that. Also, I got one last fact before I think we should yes. start our right and wrongs. Okay. This movie also popularized something called the Bandit Run.
0: Oh, is it going from Georgia to Texarkana in 28 hours?
1: Texarkana to Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's just a road trip between the two or vice versa. So I guess 28 hours would make sense because that's the time they're given. But if you want to do a bandit run and pick up a Diablo sandwich, that's a big
0: 10-4. No, I don't want a Diablo sandwich. I also don't want Coors. What a waste of money and time to get the worst beer on the planet.
1: I bet at the time it went down great with some (laughs) deviled ham and deviled eggs.
0: I'm sure. I guess they didn't have anything as good in Georgia as Coors. Did Coors pay for this? Or
1: did it it just
0: seem like this is a Texas beer?
1: I don't know. I really, I don't know that part. Hmm. But maybe Coors didn't have the reputation it has now. It's the king of beers. No, wait, that's Budweiser.
0: The champagne of beers?
1: No, that's Miller Highlight.
0: (laughs) The... Worst of beers?
1: No, that's natural ice. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe Coors is just a beer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Now, let's get into what we got right and what we got wrong and what we could have never predicted after watching the first movie.
1: Okay. I think I'm proud of this prediction because I got a lot right for really, honest to God, not knowing what was going to happen in the first one.
0: Yeah. I mean... I'm really proud of us, too. This was some honest-to-goodness, like, solving a puzzle and trying to figure out clues. So, yeah, our biggest one is that we knew it would involve alcohol.
1: That, anytime we get a prediction right on this podcast, I'm always blown away because we just have what the sequel had given.
0: Yeah, and they don't give that away.
1: And I think we nailed a lot.
0: I'm really proud of this one because we knew it had to be something... It wasn't so bad. It's not like the bandit, you know, is like a sex trafficker. Like, obviously it had to be something light enough where he would be seen as a folk hero, but it also had to be something illegal that people would be chasing him. And yeah, like alcohol. We even said bootlegging, which I guess at this time, you couldn't sell Coors East of Texas without a license, or it was considered bootlegging. I don't know why, but yeah, we nailed it. Alcohol, bootlegging, that's exactly what the plot of the movie was. Yeah,
1: he's transporting all of that. We predicted that the Bandit and Snowman would be a team. Mm -hmm. We predicted that the Smokey would be the Jackie Gleason character. Yeah,
0: Jackie Gleason is back.
1: We predicted that Frog would be back, um, that it would take place in Texas.
0: Well. And. And Georgia. But I am still confused, even after watching both these movies, where, where was the wedding that was supposed to take place between Frog and Junior?
1: I don't know, and I've tried to do some research on it and it's never mentioned.
0: Yeah, because after they leave Texas, they run into Sally Field, Frog, just on the side of the road. She's Runaway Bride, yeah. And she just kind of jumps into the Trans Am and takes off with him. But where were they when that happened? I think they were in Arkansas or Georgia. But why? No, because they weren't in Georgia. Because they just they had just left Texas, where they picked up the beer. So maybe they were still in Texas because she was marrying a Texas lawman. So wouldn't it make sense if they're still in Texas? That would make sense. So I think you are right. But I was right that the bandit is from Georgia.
1: But I still think in the sequel, he's in Florida.
0: Yeah, he is in Florida. But you said he was from Texas just because he had a cowboy hat.
1: Uh, But I think he's... (laughs) Maybe he's in Georgia by way of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) But the good news is we were both right. (laughs) Exactly. All right, we'll
0: say that. Both Um,
1: It is the story of the bandit who's a clever outlaw and the pursuit between him and the Smokey. I... At the end of the movie, they even kind of give a nod to each other, like, you're the best that's ever chased me, and you're the craziest I've ever
0: chased. Yeah. Was he being serious that he was the best that ever chased him, though? Because he was really inept at it, I thought.
1: Well, I mean, I think he said, <laughs> you're just faster than everybody else.
0: <laughs> I really liked the fact that they explained more who this guy was, because in the last podcast, I was like, is this just a world where jurisdiction doesn't exist, or is this man a psychopath? I, it's He's a psychopath. So, the reason he's chasing after him is only because Sally Field jumped in his car. Yeah. He even alludes that he thinks she's been kidnapped. He's like, we got a man act defense. Yeah. But they explain, like, there's a por- there's a part where he runs into another cop and the cop's like, you're from Texas. You're way out of your jurisdiction. I was like, thank you. All right. I'm glad they acknowledged it. Yeah. This is just a psychopath driving 900 miles for revenge. But he's kind that. of
1: like... The Bandit in that way. I guess so. He's going by his own rules. (laughs) Anything else? Oh, the CB radio. I predicted that would play a huge role, and it did.
0: Yeah, even more in this one, I think, because not only are the Bandit and Snowman and the Smokey all on the CB radios, but there's this whole host of characters they are meeting along the way that are helping them. Yeah. Even more so than in the second one. They have like a lot of people helping them along the way in kind of clever ways. Like I like the one that was Foxy Lady, who was... A prostitute with a CB who seduces a cop to get him off their tail? I don't know. It was really cool how they had this kind of network of people on CB radios helping each other out.
1: But I think that's part of what plays into his folk hero status. Yeah. Is that's how his story gets transmitted, which is kind of a cool modern take on a folktale it's like Mm -hmm. a johnny appleseed
0: (laughs) but you know with technology yeah no i did like that because in the second one you know he kept talking about being famous and like he kept talking about if i do this run it's my last chance to be somebody i was like to who like why would this make you famous but yeah maybe in the cb radio community doing a run like this would be enough to make you like a cb legend forever yeah. So it answered my question. I
1: thought we nailed a lot of it. Anything else that we got right? I would also
0: say, I mean, that's a lot of that's it. That's yeah. plot right there. I would also say the country music. We said that yeah. that would be big. And yeah, like we said, Jerry Reed has the Eastbound and Down song. He also wrote a couple other songs. He's got one just called The Bandit and one called Legend. Like He's got a bunch of songs that they play. And so, country music is like featured pretty heavily. Not
1: to mention, he just did a great job being the character of the snowman.
0: I, I love the snowman. I this movie know. should call, be called Smokey and the Snowman. I know.
1: Just the way that he he's such a natural way of speaking. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Everything he said was authentic uh, f- and fantastically phrased. <laughs> I don't know because I, I read that a lot of this movie was ad libbed. Oh wow! That who wrote it again?
0: I don't know who wrote it. I know Hal Needham is the director. Or Hal Needham it directed
1: also. it. I just read somewhere that whoever was writing it had like a few pages on legal pads and everyone just
0: ad-libbed everything. I mean, I believe it because the whole plot is just driving. Yeah. I mean, it's actually kind of cool. It like, reminds me of something like The Raid or something. It's like one of those, a lot of times a director has a first movie that's really simple in concept so they can execute it. You know like or like Steven Spielberg the duel where it's just a car chase the whole movie. Like this literally they get out of the car like twice. They're in the car on the road the whole time. Well,
1: I thought that I wonder like did they cast people in this movie or Sally Field because she just had to look good getting her hair blown across her face <laughs> while they were on these road chases. And actually remember in the last podcast you asked did I find Sally Field sexy? Yes. Well, I found A fun fact about that as well
0: about her whether she's sexy or not yeah she
1: took this role because people thought she was ugly oh and she wanted to prove that she was cute and her logic was if she's the love interest of burt reynolds oh it would elevate her status as like a starlet
0: oh all right good call well you know what i never thought she was ugly i just didn't think like oh she's hot but I think she is in this movie like hotter than I've seen her before. So I think it worked. <laughs> Smart play by Sally Field.
1: But I always thought she's cute. She's got a great face. But they were playing her up to be a little more sex pot.
0: Well, yeah, she jumps in a car with a stranger and bangs him a couple hours later.
1: And she keeps reaching in the back seat and it's just her full ass in the frame <laughs> of the shot.
0: Yeah, she's like real forward about it too. Because she's like, don't you ever take that cowboy hat off? He's like, I only take it off for one thing. And then she's like, well, why don't you take it off?
1: Well, I thought he was going to say showering and make a joke because that's Burt Reynolds style.
0: He doesn't joke about banging.
1: But here's the thing. I loved how in this movie from the 70s about outlaws, she asked for his consent. She said, only if you want to. And then he said, yes, I want to. And then he took his hat off. And it was very (laughs) consensual.
0: (laughs) something you don't see in a lot of movies in present day yeah, i guess that's true i mean i guess when you just jump in a stranger's car you do want to make sure it's okay this movie
1: um, was ahead of its time
0: that's another thing i got right actually i thought that they would meet that they wouldn't already be dating that there would be this kind of meet cute moment
1: that's true and if you want to we can get into wrongs because i had a couple of wrongs
0: yes i think that's all i have for right
1: in terms of wrongs, I thought they would already be dating, and she would leave him, and there'd be this storyline with Junior. Because again, we don't—I don't understand her relationship with Junior.
0: No, and it's not expounded upon in this. At I all.
1: really thought we'd get a little bit more. She does say a throwaway line that she saw like the most handsome man she'd ever seen, and, and she thought, says, "Why not marry him?" Yeah,
0: she says like, "I married him because what else was I doing?" Something like that.
1: Yeah, and so she does have a couple other lines. My longest relationship. Was, it was eight, eight days, days with an acid
0: rock singer. So she's <laughs> impetuous. She's yeah, impetuous for sure. So um, that worked.
1: I did also think that they would go line dancing yeah. at a country western bar because in two movies, her character makes reference to the fact that she's a dancer. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No, we never comes see her dance. Not at all. She doesn't even get out and dance to a song. Why say it? Why include that?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just want... There's not a lot of character development among anybody. So I think they just wanted to give her a little something. She's a dancer. Maybe explain why she doesn't have a southern accent. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Or maybe she's supposed to be a city girl. Maybe they were supposed to be like a... Weird couple?
0: I think so. Yeah, she's a city girl. He's a country guy. Because that whole scene in the, as you call it, the leaf tableau or whatever, was kind of <laughs> about their differences. They're talking about how they don't really have anything in common. And I like that she kind of makes fun of him, like about that hat that he wears. And yeah, so th- they are supposed to be like an opposites attract kind of couple. But
1: here's the thing, too: I don't think they make a good couple. To be honest, they don't have anything in common. They have a lot of sexual chemistry. That's not going to last long.
0: Well, that's probably why, in between movies, they break up and she gets back <laughs> with Junior. Which, speaking of which, that's one of my big wrongs. I thought they would break up at the end, but we don't actually see that. We see them riding off together, going to Boston for clam chowder.
1: Well, yeah, the 18 hours. To
0: with do it. Cletus and the dog. <laughs> Cletus. Cletus.
1: You can't even hear it. <laughs> why do that then? One thing that I didn't predict, but I'm going to put as a wrong, is. I did not foresee Big and Little Enos being in this
0: first one. I didn't either. They seemed like they were such a just a part of the second one. Here's what I want to know about Big and Little Enos. Why are they doing this? (laughs) Is there some kind of, is there some kind of like underhanded plot that they have? Do they really just want somebody who can bring them beer because they want to celebrate at this thing? Is it on the level or is there some kind of, they want to get the bandit?
1: No, I think, well... I think it's twofold. I think they have more money. They're rich oil tycoons and they know what to do with. So they just like having the fastest errand boy, you know, that they can find. But they do say at the end when they give him double or nothing to go get the clam chowder, he's like, I'm going to trip him up one of these days. I think it's almost like a challenge for them. It's like a betting man's game. They just like betting. They want to do double or nothing. Can he do it? He's like a prized racehorse. And they keep betting on it. Okay,
0: because I was thinking like in the second one and then in this one too, like, is this a setup? Are they doing this on purpose? But no, I think you're, all right, I think that makes sense that they're just like crazy rich bettors with too much money and they just want to-
1: They just want to see what happens. See what happens. It's exciting for them. It's fun for them to have these big, crazy, fantastical plots.
0: Yeah. Also, did you look up the guy that played Little Enos? No. The one we thought was a child- Or a little person. No. He's a songwriter named Paul Williams who wrote like a ton of hit songs in the 70s. Really? Yeah. He's like a really popular songwriter. And then I even looked up. How short is this guy? He's 5'2".
1: Okay. Fair point. He's
0: pretty short. But then the other guy, Big Enos, is like over six feet. So the juxtaposition makes it look like even crazier. But he's 5'2". And then he even had a statement where he was like... It was something like, I'm short. Get over it. And I was like, good good for you, Paul Williams. All right.
1: I mean... To be fair, his character is funny. Yeah, he's, his I like characters, him. His character is, I like that they put him in the same suits. Like, yeah. he's in on the gag. He's
0: like the original mini me.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, but he's in on it in the best way possible. In terms of wrong, I think that's all. You already mentioned that they don't break up at the end. Yeah. Most of my wrongs were centered on the relationship.
0: Yeah, well, my biggest wrong was I thought that there would be a really interesting character arc with Burt Reynolds. Like, I thought he would start off as kind of a bastard, and then he would meet this girl, and he would have to maybe kind of get better to get her. Uh No, There there's no arc character-wise at all. He's the same guy at the beginning as he is at the end. He meets her, but like, they really, there's no conflict between them, really. They just flirt and bang, and then they're happy at the end. that. Any conflict between them is only introduced in the second one, and it's implied that it all happened off screen in yeah. between movies. So he's got no character arc at all, which is fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate it. this is just a simple movie about a guy driving a car across the country. And at one point, a girl jumps in the car and he has sex with her. Yeah. But he learns nothing and like nothing he's out changes.
1: the law. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's very, it's like, I, I don't know. I get it. I don't like the movie, I wouldn't say, but I get it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like simple, but well done.
1: I I mean, I think that's it for wrongs.
0: Yeah, that's all I had to.
1: Do we want to get into a few never could have predicted?
0: I don't have as many as I usually do. No,
1: me neither. Because it
0: was a kind of very straightforward movie, and we predicted it really well.
1: I just have a few, I don't know, never could have predicted, but maybe... Interesting tidbits.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know what to say. So, first of all, something I could never could have predicted in my research is that I learned Burt Reynolds' real first name.
0: Oh, it's not Burt?
1: Well, it's a derivation of Burt.
0: Bertholomew. Burton. Burton!
1: And to me, that changed my perception of him completely. <laughs> Burton Reynolds. Burton
0: Reynolds. Interesting.
1: Burton Reynolds. So, I don't know. There's just little things like that that I never could have predicted. The language in this movie was something that I could have predicted, but not a lot of the slang that they use. No, so, this one was,
0: it was like, it had a whole more complicated lexicon than the, It was like, you know, it was like Klingon or something. It was its own language. So,
1: I never could have predicted that learning curve of um, what he's doing for the truck is he's blocking yeah, I guess that's why he's driving in front of him or he's getting the police off his tail. So that, I think, is what gives into his his being the hero more so than Snowman.
0: But I don't know. Do you think blocking is the tougher job to drive ahead and be the distraction? Yes. I think Snowman had the harder job. He can't go fast. He can't escape if he needs to. So right, he's but like he needs in the open block. going slow. Yeah, hey, he needs a blocker. But I think he's doing the hardest work. If we were doing the bandit run, I would want to be the Burton Reynolds character.
1: Well, that's great, because I'd want to be Cletus. <laughs> that's perfect. We already had riding it. riding yeah. with the
0: dog. Does he have to stop every time the dog has to go to the bathroom? What's the bathroom situation for that dog?
1: I don't know, but the dog seems real chill. Fred?
0: I, I love like, Fred. I
1: love Fred. Here, okay, here's a never could have predicted. Cletus has a family. With like five kids. I wrote down six kids and his wife, Wynette.
0: Oh, was that her name? Yes, which I think is so perfect. I wrote down a
1: couple of names um, because one of my favorite scenes that I never could have predicted is between two cops in Alabama, and they're talking about a waitress named Arlene.
0: Oh, I love that scene. That definitely seemed totally improvised.
1: And that banter, though, was, if it was improvised it couldn't have been written better like it was so fantastic so yeah. colloquial so perfect and here's a qu- another question why is every waitress in a southern diner named arlene
0: <laughs> it's just a common waitress name
1: what is going on with that name and being a waitress in know. the south
0: uh, that's just uh i mean that's nominative determinism that's for you like- if you name your daughter arlene she's going to grow up to be a waitress
1: and she, or, like, naming your kid Jeeves. He's going to grow up to be a butler. <laughs> they're right on par with each other.
0: I mean, we should do an experiment, have two children, name one Jeeves and one Arlene,
1: and see, and see what, what direction they go in. Well, it's butler and waitress,
0: obviously. <laughs> I like that little peek into Snowman's home life. I mean, he even calls back. He calls his wife at one point. When they find out that they have to go to Boston, he's like, I'm going to get divorced. So, I don't know. I liked I loved Cletus, he's gonna, the snowman. Me he's too. got a family at home. He's doing this for his family. You know what? Here's another reason he's the real hero. At one point at the end, Burt Reynolds wants to give up. He gets on the street yeah. and he's like, look, hey, it was a good run. We tried, but like we're going to get caught. They had a helicopter after him and all these Smokies on them. And he was like, that's it. We got to turn it in. And Cletus is like, no.
1: Yeah, they're so close. They're like four miles away yeah. from the state line.
0: Cletus the snowman... Hero of the movie. I
1: I don't deny it. I don't deny it. I also never could have predicted how much turquoise jewelry Burton Reynolds would be wearing. (laughs) And I'm a huge fan of turquoise jewelry. But is that a thing that it's associated with cowboys?
0: I don't know. Maybe he's just driving all over the South picking up a cowboy hat here, turquoise jewelry here.
1: Because I know this had to have popularized a look. There is such a distinct look to the 1970s, first of all, in fashion. And then this cowboy trucker vibe that I think, as soon as I would have seen this movie, I would have wanted to dress just like that I, and drive a Trans Am.
0: <laughs> I definitely want to drive the Trans Am. Maybe not with the Confederate flag but, and not with those bell bottoms, but everything else.
1: But with a giant turquoise ring.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure.
1: And bracelet.
0: Here's a question I had about Burton Reynolds. It's something I never could have predicted in this movie. Was the character of the bandit the first pickup artist? How do you mean? There's a part when he first meets Sally Field where he tells her that she has fat calves. And I was like, is he negging her?
1: I was like, is this what
0: pickup artists are trying to be? Like, Do you think they saw the bandit in this movie and are like, this is how you get women. I must wear a ridiculous hat crazy jewelry oh. and tell them that they have fat calves and then they will sleep with me in two hours just like they slept with that Bart reynolds.
1: is you're drawing some good parallels especially with the hat yeah and the nagging
0: i think this is where it came from i think this is where it was invented
1: although i don't know because sally field is a willing participant because she hops in the car but reynolds is charming he's handsome and he's driving fast and doing all these crazy stunts <laughs> he's a bit of a bad boy I don't think a lot of pickup artists have all that going for them. No,
0: they don't at all. But that's what they think that they have. That's what I'm saying.
1: It's possible. They want
0: to be Burt Reynolds in this movie.
1: What's interesting is we did predict, maybe this could go in a right, that we would get the origin of the nickname Frog.
0: Oh, and we did. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and we did. And Sally Field... It was a great
0: origin story.
1: Yeah. He said, you're always hopping around.
0: You're cute like a frog. And
1: I want to jump you. (laughs)
0: They're, Very direct.
1: The sexual overtones. I was going to say innuendo, but there's no innuendo. No, it's it, all... On
0: the surface. out innuendo.
1: Yeah. At one point, he says to her, she said, we're so down low, everyone could see into the car. And he's like, yeah, that's why they drive those trucks to spot those beavers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: There was just some... Watch
0: yourself around trucks on the road now.
1: I know. And then there was just slang that I never could have predicted would be cool. Oh, like what? Like, who gives a turkey? (laughs) That's cool, I guess. I want to start saying that from now on. Who gives a turkey? I love it. Anything else for never could have predicted? Oh, it's
0: so weird. I really did not have a lot.
1: I guess in the last one, we talked about how skinny everybody looked at this time period. I never could have predicted how tight everyone's pants are. They're just so tight. There's one scene where I can tell which side Burt Reynolds' junk is on in his
0: pants. (laughs) You think that's like the natural hang? It naturally hangs that direction? Isn't
1: that a thing? Yeah. Men have a side or something? Yeah. Well, Burt Reynolds (laughs) is on the right. And it was clear as day. And then he gets over the CB and he calls some girl named Hot Pants. Oh, yeah. Who's famous for wearing... Hot pants, Mm -hmm. but it's just the 70s look is so fantastic. Yeah. But geez, the pants are tight.
0: (laughs) I mean, this is like a more sexually free time. Like a girl hops in your car, looks down at your tight pants, sees what you're working with, knows right away whether she wants to get down or not, and
1: asks you for your consent.
0: Exactly.
1: I Yeah, it was refreshing. <laughs> it was refreshing in many ways.
0: All right. Are you ready for the two big questions? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Number one. What did you like better? Smokey and the Bandit or Smokey and the Bandit 2? Or here's a fun fact. As it was known in Australia, Smokey and the Bandit Ride Again.
1: The second one?
0: Yeah. It had its, uh, it had a different title in Australia.
1: Ride Again is so much better than I know. 2. I,
0: I agree. 100%.
1: I was thinking about this. Cause I think this is a hard one. Cause I didn't particularly, honestly, care for either movie. I know that the first one was a cultural touchstone, but I think for me, I'm going with number two. Oh, you right again? Kidding
0: me? What?
1: I I Why? I thought about this while we were watching it. It's because I much preferred. All the character relationships to each other.
0: Yeah, well, it actually had character relationships. They were in that better yeah. established.
1: I hated the elephant plot, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked how everyone was already related and intertwined. And um, I really, really thought I was going to like the first one better.
0: Interesting. I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, in this one, Junior has almost no lines. None. And. In the second one, you get a lot more of Jackie Gleason and Jr., like in the car together, interacting, talking. In this one, not so much at all. In the second one, you have conflict between Burt Reynolds and Sally Field that is totally non existent in this one. I feel like you even get more of the relationship between Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed. And, like, no, the first one has no character relationships, no character development, but I still liked it better. I'm going with the first one.
1: I here's the thing. I don't blame you. In a way, this is a classic honey dilemma. The first one is the better movie. The second one is more fun.
0: Oh, I disagree. I think the first one is more fun. I think the fact that it has no character development is actually good because the character development is not necessarily great in the second one. It just exists, but it's not like super compelling. In this one, fuck it, just strip all that away. This is just a crazy ride. About a, you know, fast car and like two people having sex, the snowman being the hero of the movie. You know what I mean? A guy chasing him, Roadrunner style.
1: But wasn't that the whole plot of the second one?
0: Yeah, but this one was simpler. So I liked it better. It was more to the point, it was shorter. It was just like.
1: You know, I want to say you're convincing me because I don't disagree, but I'm going with the second one. I thought about it the whole time watching through. The second one was somehow more compelling.
0: Okay. So you're going first one. I'm going first one. For and
1: sure. I, I don't blame you because I could see that. I mean, it was Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movie. <laughs> All
0: right. Next big question. What did you like better, this movie or the movie that you predicted?
1: Well, that's going to be easy because this movie was the movie I predicted. So, I'm going to go with It's a Tie. I don't don't know how to say it. (laughs) Maybe this movie, because I just predicted the extra storyline about them country line dancing, which could have been a great scene, but it wasn't necessary. So, I'm going to say they're both equal, but if I had to choose, I guess, this movie, because it was what I predicted.
0: What about you? I'm going to go with my own movie, just because... No. Fuck, I don't know. I was going to say... I was going to say my own movie because I predicted this thing about, you know, Burt Reynolds having this great character arc. And I think it is kind of important in a movie for your character to change. Otherwise, it's not a story. But then again, I just said I like the movie because it stripped (laughs) all that stuff away. So maybe it would be hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, All right. You know what? Okay. I will give it to Smokey and the Bandit better than the movie I predicted. Yeah. Because it was like a bare bones strip everything away. It It was was almost simple. Yeah, it was almost like like more artistic to be simple and it was like the Ramones or something. Oh. It was like, this was just a three-chord movie and that's I thought, all you needed.
1: I thought you were going to say, to me, it reminded me of Ratatouille.
0: What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> ratatouille?
1: You know how the whole idea is the food critic has tasted all the best foods in the world, but give him some simple roasted vegetables
0: Ah, And that's the
1: best thing he's ever tasted.
0: Okay, so the movie is the roasted vegetables. Not that the movie is similar to the movie Ratatouille. (laughs) No. The movie (laughs) just is Ratatouille. Crazy theory there. If we had our own YouTube channel and we wanted to be real clickbaity, we'd be like, why is Smoking the Bandit like Ratatouille? Click here to find out.
1: Well, I think we have good reason. (laughs) Simple. And sometimes that's all you need. Really, the last thing that I want to find out that I want to get to the bottom of is what's in a Diablo sandwich.
0: I mean, we're just going to have to go on location and find out. I don't think this kind of research can be done from our living room. Got to go to the South and get a Diablo sandwich.
1: Um, If any of you know or have eaten a Diablo sandwich, feel free to message us on Instagram (laughs) and let us know.
0: Um, Tell them what we are watching next week.
1: Next week, in honor of... The Christmas season, Netflix has graced us with not one, but two Christmas movies. It's really hard to find a Christmas movie with a Christmas sequel.
0: Agreed, because we had talked about doing Richie Rich's Christmas Wish, but the first movie is just Richie Rich. It's not a Christmas movie.
1: So we're trying to keep the theme of the season.
0: Two Christmas movies.
1: So on Netflix, streaming now, they have a movie called...
0: Christmas Wedding. And the first one is apparently called Christmas Prince. This was recommended by one of your friends who watched these for pleasure. Yeah. She enjoyed them.
1: Well, if Netflix is putting it out, it's got to be a good
0: product. I'm going by title alone, then it's going to be bad. Which one? Both of them.
1: I think they sound
0: fantastic.
1: (laughs) Um, And in the future, if you know of any non-denominational or just holiday movies, (laughs) we're open to those as well. But for right now, we're going with... Christmas wish.
0: Nope. Christmas wedding. And the first one, Christmas prince. (laughs) No, I'm not. No redos on that. staying in. As always, I'm Patrick and I'm Ellie. This has been Reverse Sequels. See you next time.
1: We might ten four. Reverse Sequels.
0: Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking.